Welcome, everybody, to Sharpen That Axe, a podcast dedicated to strengthening your skills as a guitar player. Enunciate. Teeth, lips. Okay, we're all here. Yeah. Yay. Yay. All being here. Yeah. Friends, I don't know if you can see this, but John has a quite the concussion wound, and it's very distracting. I'll zoom in a little bit. By zoom in, I mean just move closer to the camera. So yes, move, move your eye closer to the For camera. For those of you that may be listening, watching, list watching on YouTube, so you can see this. Absolutely. It's, uh, John, do you want to tell us how, how it happened? Oh, how that happened? Um, a shoulder to the face. That's how that happened. So... I was playing some rugby. Context, John. We need context. Context, context. So I do a bit of rugby, which is not good for your fingers, they say. But uh, mercifully, the angels have protected my fingers. And so I've never managed to injure them terribly. Um, But yes, thinking fondly of Ireland today, for those of you who can see it. Outside, it's very cloudy and rainy. Um, So... Feeling, feeling like I'm in my second home there, Dylan. So absolutely, John. I was enough was, clouds and rain here. I look very, I look very pale. I look quite ghostly, and it's not me. It, well, it is a little bit, but it's mostly <laughs> just the, the terrible, terrible overcast weather that is here, uh, which is apparently going to last until Monday, which is always fun because it's only days of today, Wednesday now. So that's that's great. Um, Yay! Yes. Only till Monday. Only till Monday. That's what they yeah, say. And then what's going to happen here? Actually, it's it's supposed to last through the weekend here, which is very unusual. So, absolutely, John. We're talking about the weather around a guitar podcast. Let's move things on swiftly. Indubitably. So, lick of the week for episode episode number twenty three, I believe. Uh, that's Mike. Oh. So, gosh, it's just wow. Keeps getting older and older. Just flying by. Yeah. Yeah. So whenever you're ready, I, I, uh, this is a one that's particularly near and dear to my, my heart. Okay. Here we go. Oh man. Um, I believe you've got me on this one. Um, yeah, I think I'm. I'm but sorry. have you heard it before? I have, but to be perfectly honest, I can't place it. So, uh, okay, so um, it's, it's checking for that sense of uh, familiarity. Uh, yeah. It would be Radiohead's song just off their album, The Bends. Right. Right. Yeah. Okay. Yes. Yeah. It's that octave uh, going up the. Basically, the song is crazy in that apparently it was written as a competition between Tom York and Johnny Greenwood about uh, who could write a song with the most chords in it. And uh, (laughs) if you look at it, it's crazy. It's in C minor, but they play a chord on every note of the chromatic scale. And that little run right there is a beautiful octave slide. Later, it comes back. Uh, as a motif, but he does it up two octaves using the whammy pedal, and I thought that was a nice uh, use of the whammy pedal, which is uh, something that we've been discussing over the last few weeks. Yeah, hooray, whammy Context. Pedal. Context, yes. yeah, that's uh, that's good. I'm, I mean, to be honest, it, I got into Radiohead uh, later, because when everybody else was listening to Radiohead, I was 
much more concerned with, uh, for example, one of the artists we'll be talking about in Pedal Talk. So, yeah, exactly. So I was, I was all into the shred stuff, and so this, this sort of thing bored me. Um, and then since, since then, of course, <laughs> I've become more... It's very, it's very British. Yes. Yes, so. of course. Uh, yeah, it's, it's a, Johnny Greenwood is, is one of my, the, the lead guitar player for Radiohead is one of my favorite, probably possibly musicians because he's done, like he has that kind of rockier stuff and he has, you know, that, that amazing on Creep. And then he has, like he, he did this film track, the film track, the film soundtrack for There Will Be Blood. Yep. And he writes operas and does everything in his spare time. And it's yeah. a freak, essentially. No, absolutely. Like he is, he's one of the most uh, hardworking musicians I think out there in terms of just diversity of stuff, sheer volume of material that he's working on. Um, and so, yeah, tremendous yeah. amount of respect for him. So like I said, I have since left my ignorant ways and, <laughs> joined- and I've developed even more ignorant ways. <laughs> there we go. Anyway. So, yeah. so, for Pedal Talk this week, uh, a few weeks ago, we brought in a section on how a certain guitarist will use a pedal. So we're going through some of our heroes. So I got the ball rolling with Kurt Cobain and his very limited use of pedals. But uh, I thought, thought it was a good concept. Now, I know, John, you are into, as mentioned, a much more technical style of guitar virtuosity. Uh, so uh, sure. who are you going to be talking about? Um, believe it or not, it is not Steve Vai, so there won't be a, <laughs> there won't be any whammy pedals in this discussion. Okay. Um, however, Big words. Um, there there were some that I thought about doing somebody like the Edge, and I was like, "Good lord!" But I don't have two and a half hours to just talk about the Edge's pedals, and especially uh, anyway, yeah, yeah, let's not go down that rabbit hole because I I could. At any rate, instead, I chose to do Eddie Van Halen's pedals so he's kind cool. of roughly the same setup over the last i don't know bajillion years that he's been playing guitar you came but, up a few weeks ago in our pedal talk for i was talking about his his phaser pedal and how yeah exactly so his yeah. traditionally like if you think of uh the phase 90 pedal the mxr phase 90 this is what he used in eruption that's the the first thing that everybody can think of but what he did later on is he actually coupled the MXR flanger pedal with that flanger as it were private joke Do-do-do. uh yeah so go back and listen to the other podcasts about flangers and flangers flangers and phasars Phas- phasars right you totally de- derailed me here Ugh. eddie eddie van halen eddie and his van pedals halen and his pedals right so you can you can hear the combo and on songs like Unchained, for example, listen to the second guitar in that, not the, the main riff, but there's another guitar in the background that has a sort of swooping sound to it on yeah. Unchained. And that one is off of Fair Warning, which I think is actually probably the best Roth album that he did. And you, you hear some of the other, again, the phaser effects and uh, the next effect that I kind of wanted to touch on was the chorus. He uses a Boss chorus pedal. So currently he's using the CE5. Uh, back then I think it would have been the CE2. I think it might have been the second one uh, during the uh, the Fair Warning album. And you can hear that on that album. Well. 
One of my favorite tracks on that, of course, is Mean Streets. Mean Streets. Yeah, streets. the intro and then just the, the riff is just so funky. So good. So good. The chorus pedal, though, you can also hear on uh, and the octave on Ain't Talking About Love. There you also have, you, he's got everything on on that one. When you listen to Ain't Talking About Love, you can just hear the phaser, the, the chorus, everything's just kind of swirling through that one. If you listen to The Dream Is Over, off of Foreign Lawful Carnal Knowledge, one of the best Sammy albums, I think. I'm, I'm not necessarily partial one way or the other, though I think he did more creative work with Sammy Hagar. So, ooh. I, Controversial. And I'm even going to say this. The album that they did with Gary Sharon, I think is some of his best musical output. I think it, the okay. album actually poorly. Who's Gary Sharon? Gary Sharon was the lead singer for Extreme, or I guess still is because they're back together. Ah. Uh, so okay. Nuno Betancourt and, and Gary Sharon from Extreme, but Gary Sharon came on, there was the big blow up, uh, gosh, what is this, like 96, 95 or something like that, where... A simpler time. Yeah, a simpler time, back when the president played saxophone and the Greatest Hits album. They brought on okay. David Roth to do two tracks and then... He thought he was back in the band. Sammy Hagar thought he was out of the band. There's a big blow up. Yay, band drama. And essentially what happened was they wound up with no lead singer because they didn't want to be back with Roth. And Sammy was like, fine, I'm going to do my own thing. And they brought in Gary Sharon and they produced the album three, which actually had some really good musical content. And if you listen to it, not as so much as a Van Halen album, but it's just, hey, this is a good guitar rock album. There's okay. really quality guitar playing. Um, I think when Eddie sobered up, he made some of his best material, which would have been that album and Balance. God, I forgot about the, the extreme prolific discography of that band. Yeah, exactly. It's huge. So Balance, actually, here's another good one. Baluk Ethereum, which is the instrumental track on Balance, has uh, a good use of this chorus pedal as well. So I'd definitely say check that out. The solo for right now is also, it, it's one of my favorite solos, super tasty, but a good example of these chorus, of the chorus pedal that he uses. Cool. You love chorus, John. Yeah, uh, I, I like the way Eddie uses it in these tracks. So, of course, last week we did talk about Andy Summers too. So maybe I do love chorus. You love chorus, John. Accept it. Okay. Sorry. Okay. We're all, okay. We're all here to support you in your decision. <laughs> Yeah, and Michael Landau, too. Michael Landau is a prolific user of the chorus pedal. So, all right. I'm, that's it. I'm just going to go buy a Princeton chorus amp now. I think it's all over. That's it. Going all in. <laughs> it's, it's done. The dream is over. The dream um, is over. Uh, and we come full circle. So, anyway, Eddie Van Halen, his use of pedals, obviously, as Dylan said, jeez, um, you know, it's a discography that spans from 1978 to... 2015 i think they came out with the new yeah the last one to be honest i haven't listened to it so me neither yeah but anyway yeah and at this point i don't know that i would see them live either but yeah i've seen i've seen footage of david lee roth like riding a giant inflatable microphone around the stage (laughs) and it's it's just like no diamond dave no 
Dude, the 80s was a long time ago. It was. It, re- it really was. I would know I wasn't there. Uh, <laughs> unreal. So, class, so we've got the phaser, the chorus. Uh, what yeah. else we got on there? So, we, uh, we, talked, we talked about boss pedals the other week. So, he's yeah. got the, the MXR, the phase 90, and the flanger, both by MXR. And then, of course, he has a wah. He now has a signature crybaby wah. But he still uses a Boss CE5 and the OC3 Super Octave, which, okay. yeah, when we talked about Boss, we didn't we didn't bother to include Eddie Van Halen, so shame on us. But yes, yeah, I'd never associate him. I'd always associate associate him with MXR because he has his own like signature chorus, no, no, right. uh, phaser, and yeah, yeah. phaser, phaser, and flanger. Yeah, so both of those you can now buy with all the stripey bits on them, but. Yeah, you know that makes it Eddie Van Halen. That sort of looks like this guitar case. Yeah, Ooh. yeah. <laughs> Shameless plug. Give us Shameless free plug. Stuff, Eddie Van Halen. So cool. That's that's great, man. It seems like it's it's all used quite well. Like it's he's not really okay. He does have a signature sound, but it's all it's very tastefully done. Yeah, and especially if you listen to a lot of the earlier stuff, and we talked about um, fair warning. A lot of that is really very much clean. It's it's a it's a pretty clean album, just straight into his overdriven plexi there, you know. So yeah, it's I, I think his use of effects is much more on that clean side of things versus you know somebody like the Edge, who I think would be fun to do, but it might take two of us to work our way through his, his yeah. pedal board, especially if you. Or we could take a specific period of it, right? Like a, yeah. Exactly. Cool. Okay. So All right. Well done. Snaps. Hooray. Van Halen. That's for you. Excellent. So we're very well, very well done, John. We will come back in a few weeks with I will do a how a certain guitar player uses pedals. I haven't decided what I'm going to do with. Uh, maybe, maybe Kirk Hammett. Wah. Wah. Yeah. We need a soundboard. Anyway. So our main topic this week is you and I are both musicians. We've uh, jammed. We've 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 played gigs. We've recorded. We've written material, uh, but we haven't really talked a lot about rehearsing or practicing with other musicians. Right, which you know. can be the bane of anybody's existence. So absolutely, you can you can play with yourself as long as you want, but eventually, if you want to get anywhere, you're going to have to like practice with other musicians for for shows or for recording or for whatever. Yeah. So we thought this would be a good topic because there's a certain etiquette that comes along with, with, with this particular part of, of playing music. Uh, so, John, wh- why do you think this is important to discuss how to run a rehearsal? Well, I think, I think it's important to realize that it's not necessarily, let's say, uh, for example, you have your gig, but perhaps you're not necessarily the best person to run a rehearsal. So that's, I think, the first thing to understand is that just because you're the person that's writing all the material doesn't necessarily mean you're the best person to run the rehearsal. So okay. that, that, that could just be your personality, but you need someone who's going to be kind of meticulous and who can kind of keep things going. And sometimes even yeah. it's better if, if you're not the one running the her- rehearsal, because then you're not the person that looks like the total jerk the entire time. The prima donna. Yeah, exactly. But yeah, I think it's for for those reasons. It's important to be able to get in to a rehearsal, get the stuff worked on that you need worked on, and get out. 
you know, concentrated. Yeah. Everybody's time is precious. So you need to be able to make the most of it and you need to be able to be efficient with it and get stuff done instead of kind of let the thing drag on for three or four hours and nobody gets anything done. And and so exactly. So running a rehearsal, know what to expect. And um, yeah, there you have it. I don't know. Your question. Yeah, absolutely. So I suppose going on for the whole, how things can get run a bit over long, uh, maybe having a, musicians are flaky, right? We are, it's kind of a, a, a real, uh, to our detriment, but it's, it's true. It's, it's generalization, but what are you going to do? Right. So I suppose like the first impo- most important rule is if you're booking a space, just be on time, man. Just like, you know, have your start time and have your finish time and know how long it's going to get to get, get yeah. there. You know, it's like a job. Yeah, you know? it's, yeah it's, absolutely. And I think if, man, if you know someone is going to be chronically late, like you, you tell them early. <laughs> yeah. You give them 15, 20 minutes and expect them to be late. I think the other thing that's important to communicate with time is where, uh, when you expect to get started, not, not uh, setup time, for example. Yeah. I like it when someone says, hey, downbeats at six. Great. That means if I show up at 5.30, I got enough time to get everything set up. But if they say, hey, be there at six, I show up at six, I get my stuff together, I'm ready to go by 6.15, 6.30, People are still trickling in. Drummer comes in, has That's, to set up his kit. Yeah. You know, rehearsal doesn't start till quarter after. It's a really interesting point. So, yeah, really yeah. interesting point. I mean, yeah. What time to be there and what time to start. I like that. Right, yeah. Communicate, like, downbeats at X time. And that's, for me, that's one of my favorite things. And, and I know that, hey, we're going to get work done. As opposed to, yeah, show up around this time. Like, oh, geez, it's going to be one of those. You know, yeah, absolutely. A little professionalism goes uh, goes a long way, really. Yeah, I, and I think there's some key things too. Like once you're in that rehearsal space and everyone's ready to go, but there's going to be times when people need to talk. And what what's one of your pet peeves when you're trying to direct things? Oh God, there's <laughs> so many pet peeves. No, I, I would honestly, one thing is just like I've played bands, I play different instruments in bands, but it doesn't matter what you play. If you're gonna like noodle while other people are talking, just don't, just don't noodle while other people are talking. I mean, it's really, especially if you're a drummer. I mean, come on. You, you uh, mean, yeah, but I mean, realistically, we're primarily talking to guitar players here because we all do it. I do it. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> if, if like, if, if the drummer and the bass player are talking and they're having a conversation, figuring out a part, Play away, but like turn down your volume or if it has nothing to do with you, just, you know, don't, yeah. don't uh, force yourself or your, your, your instrument on other people. Like, uh, I, yeah. And I'm, we're all guilty of this, but it's, it's something that you just you really just pick up. Yeah. I uh, yeah, absolutely. Have you any like pet peeves or any? Yeah. Um, along with the noodling thing, like I said, I, I have a tendency to do that as well but um yeah just just kind of keeping volume at at decent levels like instead of competing which this happens all the time in a rehearsal is you're like well i can't hear myself and so you turn up and it's like okay wait, 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 wait if somebody else is playing too loud then just like at the end of the song or at the end of the thing everybody try to balance out your levels just be like okay can we reset levels here because i can't hear myself communication people absolutely thing 
there's no reason to get offended about it. This is, it's a working environment. Come in, be professional. If someone says like, hey, can you turn down a little bit? Be like, okay, I can turn down a little bit. Or if you say, well, I can't hear myself. Can we bring down something else? You know, obviously if you've got a live drum kit, you can't turn down a live drum kit. But if you're in a small space, maybe you can get the guy to use brushes. He'll hate you forever for it, but maybe it'll work. Yeah. yeah. True. <laughs> Absolutely. Yeah. I think I think that for for what one thing that a lot of people and I only discover after years of playing music. I mean, you got to really decide what you're working towards. I mean, if you're rehearsing for like a studio time and you need to record one song, you have an hour. Don't play anything else. Just play <laughs> that song. You know. Yeah. Exactly. If you so, if you've got like you know just have a have a focus point, have a goal. Right. for this practice and then you know you devote your time towards that because you know like you said time is time is precious and, uh, and, you, and again i think communication so before the rehearsal say we're working on this song or songs for this this rehearsal time you know whatever it is if it's an hour and a half it's a, if it's two hours it's you know communicate that out front hey downbeat at six we're going to work on this song and we're going to work the transition from that song into the next song and we'll work on the first verse of the next song or something like that. Just so everybody knows what to have practiced. Don't show up with that without having practiced anything. If you have the material, if you know what you're supposed to work on, there's no reason why you should show up to a rehearsal without having practice. Absolutely. Yeah, no, I, I complete, completely agree. Uh, but it, it is something like I, I just, just gets lost, you know, because it really is easy to go back to something you know that is perfect and something that you've, you know, we can play this really well. So let's play that song we've been playing for weeks. And it really is easy to get locked into that comfort zone. Yeah, I but. think so. And, and if, if, if you don't break out of it, then the rest of your set just falls apart or whatever it is you're doing. You know, if you're re rehearsing to go into the studio, um, like you said. But if you're rehearsing to go into the studio, you've got to also make sure that you really tighten up your verse and your chorus transitions and those sorts of things. And Absolutely. I remember you telling me before about like just playing with the band and, okay, let's play the song. And you just run the song from start to finish. Oh gosh. And without paying attention to the individual parts. Yeah. That, that, that is one of the worst things. Like I absolutely hate is like, no, the bridge was terrible. Why are we moving on? fix the bridge, then fix the chorus that goes into the bridge, then fix the chorus that comes out of the bridge. Like, yeah, it's work that whole section. We've talked about it in practicing in general, just like chunking up, uh, whether it's a guitar solo or a whole song or whatever, but chunking up your practice and focusing on the parts that need work. A rehearsal is no different. It's just with more people. Yeah, more, more egos as well. Oh, yeah, well, we all have them. That's for sure. So absolutely, John, yeah. I'll, I'll give you my, my spiel on because uh, like I'm I'm in various bands and you know it's 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 a great thing and it's it's a real thing. But if you've never been in a band before, as some of our listeners may not have experienced playing with people, I like to equate there, there's a there's a massive checklist if you're going to be in a band with someone or with a bunch of people. It's right. it's it's kind of like having three or four girlfriends. Uh, as I kind of like this thing. No, I mean uh, it is. You all have to be. It's yeah. You all have, you all have to have the same musical goals. You all have to like each other, which is huge. You all have to uh, want to play the same type of music. You all will have to be free at the same time. Have the the time commitment to, to put in. 
Um, and you all, like, I know this is something small, but you all have to have the same basic level of talent because, right. you know, or skill, uh, talent's a, yeah, a word I'm, I don't like using because a friend of mine, he's a swing dance teacher and uh, a friend described him as very talented. And he's like, I don't like being talented because it takes away from the amount of work I've put in. Uh, I, I like that. I like that. Yeah. So, yeah, I think that if you're going into a rehearsal, have, have a plan, get on with everyone, and, yeah, don't be that guy, because we all know that guy. Right. <laughs> For That's sure. Okay, class. All right, really good. Um, guys, if you like this, please let us know. Your, your, have you any more comments on how to run a rehearsal? Uh, I've never played with anyone like any other, any bands less than maybe six or seven people, like tops. But I don't know how those massive like jazz bands rehearse those swing bands, like how they can do it. Well, um, I played very briefly in a um, like a swing jazz ensemble thing, and so we had like four or five horns, drums, bass, guitar, keys, and uh, actually, I think I think rock musicians or pop musicians tend to be some of the worst. Because, like, jazz, we would be like, uh, all right, so, all right, we're going to take it from bar 14, ready, one, two, three, four, boom. And you just drop in. And, yeah. uh, oh, okay, well, bar 18 fell apart, let's go, we'll take it from 16, ready, one, two, three, four. And so it's, it's much more, my experience was it's just much more metered, you know where it is. Uh, you, you just, you loop those things. And for me, it was a really good experience because I'd played, this was shortly after high school, I think. And for me, I had played mostly in, in rock bands with friends and, you know, yeah. sort of goof around for an hour getting set up. And then it's like, well, let's play a video game real quick and complete waste of time. And this was like, like, let's get down to work. And it was yeah. great. It was actually really great. Um, and so that's, I would say that's that's how those bands do that. <laughs> yeah, you can you can take something from every practice that you do with different bands because yeah. there's always going to be that bands those bands that you know rehearsal consists of you know twenty percent playing music and eighty percent smoking. You know. Yeah, I I, yeah. <laughs> I, I would definitely say like um, is, yeah, as long as you go in and if you're even if you're the one running the rehearsal you know, you have that mentality of, hey, we're here to work and we're here to learn. Like that that humility of like being able to learn and, and talk to people and figure out like, okay, what are the things that you need work on and how can we hit that in this rehearsal? Um, just as, as a closing point, I think it's important to be able to communicate with the rest of your band. So you're not the dictator here. You're trying to pull people together. You're trying to, to help people along and everybody's got their musical goals. Everybody wants it to succeed because it's good for them too. So when you go into that rehearsal, just say, okay, hey, drummer, what is it that you feel like you need to work on? Let's make sure we hit that and hit those transitions, you know? Yeah. So it's a, anyway. it's a group effort. Yay. Okay. So I think that's pretty good. Yeah. Do tweet at us, send us a, a Facebook message or whatever. Yeah. And let what us are know. your tips? Yeah. yeah. We'll be able to, to say them on the show next week. Yeah. And maybe even mention you by name. Absolutely. Tell us how we're wrong. <laughs> right that's what the internet is for right right uh, all right so john what have you been working on have you been working on anything uh yeah very slowly though very slowly so i i had a student 
who wanted to get back into, uh, he, he wanted sort of a guitar workout thing. So this was interesting. This is something I'd sort of done before, but I kind of compiled some of my old notes and just been going through different technical exercises and just like, okay, what is, what does this look like? So it might be interesting for us to do an episode on, you know, a guitar gym, quote unquote. I like that. Yeah. Yeah. So in terms of particular, nothing in particular is in terms of a technique or a solo at the moment, but uh, I mentioned it last week as well, just kind of bringing things back up to speed. And, um, and I have said, I've, for whatever reason, I have a lot of students playing John Mayer. So I've spent, a fair bit of time learning John Mayer tunes recently. But, ah, yes. Yeah, this is not too much different than it was last week, but that's that's kind of where where I am at the moment. And you're cool. Yeah, I I I think last week I was telling you about how I was basically chunking, yeah. uh, chunking uh, Hotel California because uh, it was a solo I always wanted to learn, and I never really got a chance to 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 sit down and learn it. Right. So last week. Uh, I went to Chris Zupa's uh, page, his his lesson, and I I took a section every day, and I, you know, oh, try really? and learn it early in the day so I could practice it intermittently throughout the the rest of the day, and then on on Saturday, uh, I was playing a gig with my my band, and there was the the four of us playing, and this Brazilian girl came up to us she's like, she's like, do you guys know Hotel California? Oh. And I was like, ah, so uh, and it was great because. Like I, I finally had, I had my guitar actually sounding good for once on my, on my pedals set up. And she was like, if I hold the words, will you be able to do it? And our singer was like, yeah, absolutely. He's a, he's got a great voice. So I was like, yeah, he can pull it off. No problem. And then like, it came to that, that like we got through the whole song and then we came to like the end and I'm like, this is so surreal because I've been spending all week actually working on this. And yeah. And I, 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 I as soon as I like got that bend, like one of the, the uh, there's one like you know two step bend that happens in it, and I remember it's like like getting that like succeeding at it, and then looking over and just seeing the whole bar <laughs> just watching me, <laughs> and I was like, is he gonna be able to do it? And yeah, man, it was like it was the best moment I've had playing guitar live in quite a while because it was actually using skills that I'd basically been neglecting for so long. So it was it was really really cool. Um, just, I think having that as a functional sort of, you know, you can play in your bedroom all you want, but when you actually have that, you know, stage to do it, I, I found I found it really, really good. It really made me want to play more and learn more solos. Um, yeah, sorry, spiel. That's great. Oh man, that's a great story. I love it. Yeah, I love it. Plus, it was a Brazilian girl, so yeah. Oh, 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 it was a bonus. <laughs> Uh, so now my, my current solo for this week is uh, You Shook Me All Night Long by ACDC. And it's coming along well. I might I might uh, post a video of me playing it or whatever. Good deal. Uh, Less likely that a Brazilian girl will come up to you in a bar and ask you to play that. So. You, know, you, you never know. And yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, also, I'm heading into the, the studio tomorrow with my backing band. So we're doing bass and drums tomorrow uh, for some of my new material. And uh, yeah, hopefully going to record the guitars next week. So the next week is going to have to be a guitar every day practice. Don't, don't show up to the studio not knowing what you're doing. So it'll cost you money. Day. Don't skip Pinky Day. Have you been listening to anything, John? Uh, yeah. So this week, because of the pedal talk, I actually spent a fair bit of time going back through the Van Halen catalog. So, and, and just, I, I mentioned the Right Now solo, and I still think that's just one of his tastiest 
solos. And I need to, that's on my list of things to go back and learn. I learned it at one point in time and it's, I just, I love it. <laughs> I don't know what else to say about it. Like it's, it's just super tasty. It doesn't have sort of the eruption style tapping. There is a little tapping part in there, but it's, it's tasteful. And that's off of nice. the Unlawful Carnal Knowledge album. That was 1991, um, back when Crystal Pepsi was it Crystal Pepsi? New yeah, Coke. Uh, I think I think it was Crystal Pepsi. I think even there was like a, a image of Crystal Pepsi in the video or something like that. <laughs> Ooh. Yeah, Ooh. crazy. So, uh, but yeah, you know, some like I said during pedal talk, some great stuff kind of in that time period, that late Sammy period that I think is just some of his best material and completely underrated as a rhythm guitar player. And huh. yeah, I, I think most people don't really think of Eddie Van Halen as a rhythm guitar player, but um, Unchained, for example, that we mentioned, we mentioned, yeah. uh, we mentioned the rhythm part in Mean Streets, which is really good. 5150 uh, has a great rhythm part in it. Um, you know, so things like that where it's it's this kind of, it's a funky, he plays sort of a funky rhythm. Like it's very influenced by funk is what I mean by that. Cool. Um, yeah, so some of those things like go back and, and take a, a listen to, um, let's see, like uh, Romeo's Delight or Romeo Delight off of Women and Children First. That's another older one with uh, Dave that I think is actually a really, that's a good rhythmic one. Um, yeah, so his, his chord choice is always interesting. You know, you think of Panama actually, and Panama's got some interesting chords. It's not, um, it's not quite as simple and straightforward as other things. More colorful. Yeah. So he uses a lot of those color tones in his, his chord choices. So I think it's, he's, he's underrated as a rhythm guitar player. His, his sense of rhythm and timing is, is actually really good. Go back. Oh, absolutely. Yeah, that so, opening to uh, Hot for Teacher just the just the, right. <laughs> me. <I'm> sorry, <laughs> we can edit it's, that. Out. We can. Uh, it's it's but that's not. Um, yeah, it's weird how you're talking about like the, the the musicians that you listened to when you were younger. I mean, I, right now I'm kind of having a bit of a resurgence. I've just been. I, I heard now. I haven't been listening to. Uh, I listen to the like I'm, I'm quite into hip hop, so that's kind of a lot of what I'm listening to these days. Uh, the new Open Mike Eagle album is really, really good. Very, yes. very worthy. Yeah, he's yes. great. It, it is. It is definitely recommended. But also, I've I've heard I've listened to the the new this week. I've actually listened to the new material from two acts that really kind of inspired me to. Well, they're basically music that I learned when I was just starting to learn guitar. And I, I, I the new the new Marilyn Manson stuff is. It's weird, right? It's so weird because Queens of the Stone Age released an album this year and I, I, I love Queens of the Stone Age, one of my favorite bands, but I just, I couldn't, I think it was, it was Mark Ronson producing and oh. it just, it didn't sound like Queens of the Stone Age. And then Marilyn Manson is just after releasing two singles that just have that kind of groove that Queens used to have. And oh. he, he said in an interview that uh, one of the best pieces of advice he was ever given was, uh, don't make a beat for a song that strippers would find confusing. <laughs> and I'm like, that's... unless you're math rock or prog metal, I suppose. But that's it, right? <laughs> and also, I've been listening tr listening to the new Foo Fighters album. It's good. Uh, it's 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 fun. It's, it, I know, I know. I, they were one of my formative bands, so I I you know I 
I owe them a lot. And I'm a big Dave Grohl fan as a drummer and as an individual, if not so much a songwriter. Yeah, I mean, I, I like I like their stuff, generally speaking. I mean, it's catchy. It's great pop rock, and particularly the early stuff I, yeah. I enjoy. But I don't know, man. I just, I can't, oof, I, don't, I don't really like the new one. I gotta be no. honest. No. Every so. time I see a new photo of them, there's another member. <laughs> I, I do, I miss, the, my favorite Foo Fighters album ever is the first one, where it's just Dave Grohl playing all the instruments with all the songs that he wrote when he was in Nirvana. Yeah, is um, is John Five still with Marilyn Manson? No, John Five is uh, with Rob Zombie. He, uh, I don't know who Marilyn Manson has now. He's this guy, Tyler, I think is his first name. I'm not too sure of his surname. He does a lot of uh, film scoring, but it's all very, it's very simple blues backing. But it's it's cool, man. I I, I dig it. Okay, cool. Yeah, worth worth checking out. Uh, the lyrics are still like what you'd write when you're 15 and depressed, but I dig the groove. <laughs> or yeah. when you're 50 and depressed. Yeah, this will make her notice me. Um, yeah, right. Absolutely. That, John, that was a long episode, i got to say, but thanks to everyone for sticking with us. Uh, please Yay. find us on all the socials, uh, Twitter, uh, SoundCloud, leave comments. We're getting all the YouTube stuff up and going. And yeah, John, have you anything to add? Uh, no. <laughs> also, we were thinking of we're we're think we're considering merch. So um, we're thinking of tasteful, <laughs> tasteful merch. Uh, something along the lines of "Don't skip Pinky Day" and maybe like Stay a sharp. "Stay Sharp" or something like that. Something yeah. that something that you could wear to a nice family reunion, but you probably shouldn't. Right, right. You, you could at least wear it as an undershirt, anyway. Absolutely. We're all about the undershirts not here. Not for college shirts for you people. Come on. No. God, no. Um, Friends, until next week, we have a very special interview with a very special guitar player, but we're not going to say who it is just yet. Uh, so check us out next week and stay sharp. Sure.